Thank you, man. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Uh, first of all, I want to thank Harold for giving me this great invitation. And as I look around the room, I see a whole lot of people that I know. Thank you guys for uh, for being here. Um, anyhow, a little bit about myself, first of all. I'm originally from Central America, Panama, you know, that little peninsula, that, yeah, all the way in Central America. And uh, when I grew up, uh, one of the big things about the United States is that all of us, one of our dreams were, was to come to the United States, and you know we just kind of loved it. It was one of the dreams that we many people had. Uh, not everybody could get here. A lot of folks got here. Now, I remember my grandfather, he was, I think it was on a merchant ship or something, how he got to New York, and he would come back to Panama and visit. And I remember um, one time I picked up his shoes, right? And I said, imagine this stuff walked in New York. That's the kind of reverence that people used to have for the United States all over all over the world. And to, to some extent, people still have the idea of what the United States is supposed to be. It never was, but it's the idea of what it was supposed to be. Now, I moved over here. I got a degree in, in mechanical engineering, but I can tell you one thing. I was always an activist. From back in school and high school, always a rebel rouser, came over here, did the same thing at the, at the University of Texas. I was out there with the Green Beret on and, and marching for uh, take the University of Texas to get out of South Africa because South Africa was an apartheid country, etc. Those were my what I call the very radical, the radical days, the radical times. But as I grew older, uh, I figured out that if we did things the same way that we always did, we didn't get the results. After all, look at America today. How much different is it than it is than it was uh, many years back? So I took a different tactic. I remember, uh, first of all, as I said, I'm, I'm an engineer. As such, what I believe in are simply numbers, numbers and formulas. Everything should follow a number, everything should follow a formula. You do that, and everything works out fine. Today I got an example that that doesn't matter even as I came to the church and had some nice discussions with people, friendly discussions, and one realizes that it's not good enough to be right. It's not good enough to know what you think you know. It's only good enough if you can have somebody trust you, and after they trust you, start listening to you. In other words, you can't, it doesn't matter how right you are. If you doubt it, visit MAGA. MAGA today believes what they believe, irrespective of whatever is out there. So one of the things that I, um, I like to follow as I grew older, was this theory of civility. And civility doesn't mean giving up your own morals. Civility doesn't mean giving up what the, the, the things that you truly believe in. But civility also means communicating. So back, I don't know if you remember, in the 2008 period, uh, when Obama got elected and he attempted to get the Affordable Care Act passed, Obamacare, uh, the violence that occurred in the country, mental violence, physical violence, and all that sort of
other thing that occurred in the country. And um, I remember thinking and uh, thinking in those times, wow, this country is going to explode. Things are going really bad, etc., etc., etc. And as a person who really stays on the internet 24/7, seeing this little young lady come on and she wanted to form something called the Coffee Party USA. It wasn't really in response to the Tea Party, but it was the Coffee Party USA, the idea to bring civility into our communication. Have have a cup of coffee with somebody. If you have a cup of coffee with somebody, if you're talking to somebody, you can't be doing what? You can't be fighting them. If you like somebody, if you even if you disagree with them, you disagree with your wife, you disagree with your sister, your brother, and everybody else, but you know what? You still love them. You still have conversations with them. So I said, you know, that sort of appealed to me then. You know, one of the things that we we, we know about about the way our minds work is it's not necessarily always rational. Many times the way our minds work is our own belief systems. In the discussion that I had in that little room back there, I watched four different belief systems at once working, working against what some would believe are factual basis of information, etc. And that's just how the world works. You may believe something, but it doesn't. It's not necessarily right. But until you have trust in that which tells you otherwise, that will never change. I mean, that is the reason why, if, if you look at our current politics with a Donald Trump, who is a bona fide someone who knows very little, he still garners the attention of many others. Engineers, lawyers, doctors follow this guy. They all, deep inside, they, they know better, but they follow him. So. When I joined the coffee party uh, and, and, and became a, a board member of the coffee party, the idea was how do we form narratives or how do we get people to coalesce around something that that have that would allow us to communicate. And that is what we started out building uh, dur during the 10 year span that we that we exist. Well, we still exist, but not not as we did before the 10 year span. And one of the things that we, we we started to speak about was, first of all, be the media, be the media, uh, be that, be that objective group that isn't paid for. By the way, as a, as a member, as a host of a radio show at Coffee Park at, at the KPFT. By the way, uh, every morning, six in the mornings, you can uh, tune into KPFT and listen to the program Politics and Right, which is the one that I host. Um, one of the things that 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 we came about there is if you are the media, if you are the person given information, if you can get folks to have faith in you, or not necessarily have faith in a religious form, but you can earn their respect, you can actually start to affect change. And that is the sort of stuff that we did at the Coffee Party USA. That is the sort of stuff that I'm trying to do at in, on Politics Done Right at KPFT. One of the things that I realize most of all is we don't think in numbers and formulas the way I think of as an engineer. If I want to be able to communicate with others, what, who has to change? Me, right? If I want to communicate with any one of you, what do I have to do? If I don't find that method of communicating, I got to change. I got to figure out what is, how can I get you 
to have trust in me to start listening to what I have to say compared to what your beliefs are. And that is what's the most difficult thing for any human being to do. Because again, we always think we're right. We always, th we always, th we always want to be comfortable. We always want to. We don't. We don't necessarily want to crit to think critically if it's going to affect our the beliefs that we have, the things that we were taught. After all, we are the best country. After all, we are the good ones. After all, we wouldn't do bad things. Well, I tell you something. Humility is very important, right? Um, once to be able to talk to folks, in my humble opinion, you first have to be able to talk to yourself, look at yourself, and tell yourself, I got to change. I've got to be able to listen. I've got to be able to do. And, and, and personally, that is what I did. Um, let, let me see. I want to make sure that I... What time did I start? I want to make sure that my timing is good. 20 minutes. Okay, good. Uh, one, one, has, one, one has to change. Now, when I came to the United States, I'm, like I said, I'm from a, a Latin American country. And... Um, I always say that I, I suffered from these three strikes, right? Uh, in, in, in this country, sexism is bad. Homophobia is bad. All those, all those bad things I came to this country with. And in the process of being here and learning and allowing myself to change, they were all extricated from myself. Why do I like to tell that story? Because I also tell a lot of the story about all the other isms that we suffer from, the racism, these other isms. But it's hard for many times for us to tell these stories if we are coming as the arbiters of good against all the arbiters of bad. If one can, within themselves, point out that we as human beings all have our isms, not to make the isms equal, but we do have our isms and can change from our isms, then we can actually change the world, right? Now, uh, it, it is easier said than done. And all the things that I, that I talk about on the radio, that I write about, etc. one of the things that I try to do is I try to first test it out on whom? On me. I try to make sure how would I feel if somebody tells me this? How would I feel if somebody tells me that? How would I, how would I react and what would I do about it? And understand that I had to change what, what I actually believed, and not only what I actually believed, but I, how I actually partake that, I mean, partake that to others. One of the things that I learned as well is that we don't, like I said, don't speak in formulas and equations and all these other things. We actually speak in stories. And with that, there are, I think maybe how many stories, about, about five quick stories, four quick stories that I, that I like to talk about in how working in being civil actually makes change. 
I told you the coffee party story as far as how I got involved with the coffee party and how it really, we worked together to talk about talking to people civilly to actually effect change. In other words, uh, uh, we, we reached just about every spectrum of America for the changes that, every spectrum of America to talk about the political issues that were going on back in 2010, 2011, 12, etc. And we actually had some good successes in, in, in these groups. But I want to talk about an exact one. I live in Kingwood, Texas. The probably the reddest area in uh, the reddest area in this county, and I've written uh, five books, but three of them political. Well, three and a half of them political, and I would sit in that Starbucks and write and write and write. And there are people that would come in there and they see me there all of the time. And some folks would get the nerve up to say, "What are you doing here? Don't you work? Don't you? You know that that sort of that sort of a thing, right?" But yeah, I'm working. I'm writing, right? So there's this woman. Uh, she had the great nerve that she's going to sit down and have a chat with me. Uh, a Kingwood white woman, you know, she's going to sit down there and she's going to talk to me. And she sat down and, what do you do? And I told her about that I write books and that I'm into healthcare and all this stuff. And I said, oh, good. And then what, why did I mention healthcare? She was into healthcare and she hated Obamacare and, and all these things. And I sit down and I listen. One of the things that I like to talk about is the most important thing that people like, all of us, is not only for people to hear us, but for people to listen to us. In other words, to understand that I am not waiting to answer, I'm not waiting to come back to whatever you tell me. I am actually going to listen to you, absorb what you've said, and analyze what you've said. That's important. Why is that important? Because if I don't do that, I simply assume I'm right. But can I be wrong? Yeah, you bet your life I could. So every time, I've, and it's a learning process because we all think we know. So I try to do that. So she's talking about health care, and she hated Obamacare, but she doesn't have Obamacare. She has her great corporate insurance, and she started to talk about the things that she liked about it and what she didn't like about it, etc. So I made a scenario, and I started asking her questions. I didn't tell her anything. I asked her, wouldn't it be nice if health insurance did this? Yeah, that's what she should do. Wouldn't it be nice if health insurance did that? Yeah, that would be great. And I'm talking about things like universal health care, all, all these great things I'm asking her, right? And I'm feeling guilty now because everybody in Kingwood's conservative. Well, 70% of people in Kingwood are conservative. At my Starbucks, just about everybody's conservative. And, and you may have conservatives in here as well. I don't know. But everybody was conservative. And, you know, so I'm describing to her what I think health care should look like. Or rather, she's describing to me, based on my leading questions, what health insurance should look like. Great. I'm starting to feel guilty now because it's like this woman is in the palm of my hands. And I'm, it's like she doesn't know I'm probably the, the most left-wing liberal in Kingwood there is. So much so that they firebombed my house before, right? No kidding. So I, I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I just want you to know that what you just described is actually not even Obamacare, but 
Medicare for all. And she looked at me like, no, no, not really. Really? Yeah, that's what you described. And then we continued with the conversation, and I felt even more guilty because I know this woman thinks, you know, I'm just this black conservative in Kingwood, and that's why she felt so comfortable talking to me. So I said, ma'am, let me just tell you something. I'm likely the most liberal left-wing person you would ever know in your life. And the woman turned red and she looked me straight in the eye and she said, but you are so nice. <laughs> and then I said, I looked at her and I said, I know we don't all have horns, you know, we don't have horns. But the reason I, I give this story, anybody who listens to me on the radio and hear this story all the time, the reason I give this story is not about being nice or anything like that. It's to see the perception and why we, the, the, the perception, the lack of civility that you see on Fox News, to some extent the lack of civility that you see other places, that's, that is the genesis of it all. The genesis of the lack of civility that you have among people is what's been portrayed on us. Because again, she is sitting down there and what she has seen as soon she she was okay with me all along even when she, I told her what she was she was okay but as soon as I was a liberal a progressive as soon as that came out it was like but you don't fit the profile right none of us fit the profile none of us fit any profile the thing about it is we are all individuals in that regards but again the system, you know, I always talk about our economic system, and this is not an one of my economic speeches or anything like that, but I just want to kind of uh, dub on it a, a, a little bit. Our economic system depends on us being at each other's throats. Our economic system depends on racism. Racism is an act, is a function, a necessary part of our economic system. Sexism is a necessary part of our economic system. Anybody wants to understand that some other time, please listen to my radio show on that one because this it's too it's it's too intense to get into that. But I want folks to understand that all of we are all puppets in this game. The lack of civility, all that sort of stuff, we are being puppeteered. When we talk about rugged individualism, we want to be rugged individual. We want to be independent of of anything. We want to even even some of us liberals will go ahead and elect some crazy new liberal uh, folks under the pretext that we are individuals and we want more of these things. We want to have more control. We all need each other. Period. Period. Nobody, when you drive out of this, sorry, when you drive out of this place, when you drive, as soon as you leave this building, the amount of people that you are dependent on for your success, for, for getting along, very few of us are willing to accept. The amount of people that makes us what we are. I always tell the story as well, you know, um, how did I, be, I I'm, I'm a businessman, okay? I had a software company and, uh, and that, you know, mechanical engineer with a software company, doing great all of that. And I remember one night sitting down and watching all the crap that was going on back in the day, in, during the political time. And I said, somebody needs to do something about this. This was back before 2010. Somebody needs to do something about that. And I remember one night, just in the dark of my home office, saying, 
I'm always talking. Always talking. If somebody got to do about it, bet you better you better throw yourself in the game because somebody got to be you too. And notice I say to you too because somebody has to be all of us, right? In some form, some fashion, some way. And at the time, business was going great. My daughter was about to leave to college. So I didn't have to hide anymore. I used to blog as a, um, you know what pseudonyms are, right? When you, I, I, I would write letters to the editor. I would write articles and that sort of stuff, with, not in my name, because my daughter went to Kingwood High School. And I didn't want her to have to suffer for what her dad did. But as soon as 2009 came and she was out of there, at that point, I started writing the articles in the newspapers and writing the books in my name, etc., etc., etc. Because at that point, it was like, so what are they going to do? You know, nothing can happen. But again, it was about having to do something to to make the change. Now, I I, I kept that up. I, I used my little uh, before the pandemic. That is, I used my little Starbucks hole. Uh, to um, to really try to do what I what I try to tell folks we all have to do, and that is talk, earn the trust of people. I don't like to use the word educate because it sounds a little bit too presumptuous, but I like to use the word inform or or something. Inform the people that you talk to. I'll be in a grocery store, and I hear a Kingwood grocery store, and I would hear some silly comment, and I would nicely walk up to the lady or the guy or whatever and say, actually, no, that's not what happened, or that's not how it is. And they'll turn around startled and like, uh, well, uh, who are you? Well, I'm just, I just overheard, I'm sorry, I just overheard what you're saying and make the change. And you'd, you'd, be, you'd be amazed at some of the things you hear in a grocery store, you know? I'm amazed at, you'd be amazed at who your neighbors are sometimes uh, when you listen to these things. I remember being in the, in, the, in the Starbucks one time, and this guy was very anti-immigrant, and very anti-immigrant, and he said to me, uh, you know those immigrants X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, well, you know, you know you're talking to an immigrant, right? And by the way, you are an immigrant too. You just came a couple of, about a, you know, a few hundred, a hundred years or so earlier, but you're an immigrant too. Uh, but, you know, we kept on talking. And every time he sees my license plate there, he'll come into Starbucks and he'd, he'd just want the challenge and he'd want the talk. So we'd always talk about immigration. And I'll, I'll, I'll give him the example as to why we can't live without immigrants. And um, I made this, he was going to be soon, soon to be on Social Security, I believe, and I gave him the Social Security story relative to immigrants, because, you know, we're holding up the, the Social Security system. And he didn't believe me, of course, but he listened, and he went home and did his research. And he came back to Starbucks one time, and he slapped me in the back, and he said, you're going to like me now. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I'm for immigration. Okay, but I want to do it the Republican way. <laughs> okay, said, um, why don't you write me up a blog and I'll post it on my site? I will post it under a pseudonym because I know you don't want these folks in Kingwood to know you for immigration now. And then he's like, no, you can put my name on it. And the guy wrote a blog post on immigration the Republican way. 
But the thing about it is, it wasn't exactly what I would want, but it's a start, right? I mean, it is something like, oh, communication actually works. This is a dude who hated immigrants. This is a dude who wanted nothing to do with immigration, but we were able to show that, and, and this, is a, this is a selfish part about us a lot of times, right? We're able to show that, no, immigrants are good for you. Now, his empathetic part didn't kick in for immigration. His pocketbook kicked in for immigration, you know? And, and so when I talk about talking and earning people's trust, you earn, we are, we are one, one country and none of us are leaving the country. None of us are leaving the country. So whatever we have to do to, to get to effect change is something that we need to do. The last story, Daniel Boone. Everybody remember Daniel Boone was a man. Remember that those days? Well, I the Tea Party is very, there's a Daniel Boone family, father, grandfather, great-grandfather in, in, in this stuff. So I used to do this uh, these pieces for CNN iReports. So I would be on CNN about two or three times a week doing these things called iReports, and they'll play my stuff stuff on air all the time. So this group in Katy, uh, you know, they saw something that I did. I don't remember on what subject. And they contacted, they got to CNN, they contacted me to go to, on, on, to meet with them, right? So it was a family, Daniel Boone, his, fa his family. And they came out there and we wanted, it was during the Obama days and they wanted to talk about healthcare, whatever. They, this Tea Party group, I had never been treated as well as these guys. They wanted to show me that everything that we spoke about them, that they were not racist, that they were good people, and they were they just wanted to lift themselves up by the bootstrap. The son didn't have health insurance, the father didn't have health insurance, the great the grandfather didn't have health insurance, and we sat down and we talked and I let them tell me their stories and I asked them, Do you have health insurance? No. What is it that Obama is doing that you don't want again? And we we went through the whole story. By the end of the discussion, they like, you know, maybe we need to rethink what we're thinking about health insurance. And then I noticed something with that talk that I got at the Tea Party and also the media. If anybody remember what the media concentrated on during that time, it was... Um, the mother, the, the grandmother being thrown off the, the hill, death panels, and all these other issues. Nobody really tried to sit down from a standpoint of how it would affect individual families to have the health care in the manner that Obama was doing, a manner that I didn't disagree, that I agree with. I wanted something different, but it's all we had at the point, at the time. Nobody, but when these people, when you sat down and you first listened, earn their trust, speak to them with respect, not speak to them with what you perceive they are, but speak with them with a certain level of respect. Suddenly, their minds were open to listen. So grandfather, son, and wait, great grandfather, grandfather, father, and son was four, four, four of them. They were willing. Uh, they were then willing to, you know, take it under advisement. And that is all that we can ask for, communication. And the only way we can communicate is to be civil with each other and, and try to, I don't care what anybody here believes. I don't care if you are a racist, a sexist, or anything. It won't stop me from talking to you. I don't care who you are. If I feel 
that I can make a difference, not just for you or for me, but society at large, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I think more, everybody won't do that, but enough of us can do that to make a difference in our society. If enough of us start to think a little bit less about self and a little bit more about what can we do in the aggregate, I'm pretty sure we can make a change. And I think I came under my 20 minutes. Thank you very much. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.